0: What's up, Redeemed Church? Happy weekend. My name is Eddie Johnson, part of our teaching team here and our Redeemed Church family. Hope you guys are doing well. Hey, we are continuing our series talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Before I dive into my part, I wanna make it clear. We're gonna connect the bridge from where we've been to where we're at today and to where we're going in the future. So I'm gonna do a little bit of backtrack, a little bit of recap, and then we're gonna dive in to what we're talking about today. Also, you might notice, I've got a dartboard behind me, yes. We're going to play some darts. No, we're not. I'm going to explain why the dartboard's behind me here in a little bit. But let's build a bridge. Let's talk about what we've been talking about uh, for the last few weeks at Redeemed Church. Last week, Marty started us off uh, or, or talked about in Matthew chapter 5, the law and what was going on and when Jesus was talking about. You'll notice something, and Marty started talking about this last week, that in Matthew chapter 5, six times, it says something to the effect of, you have heard it said, but... Okay? You have heard it said in the old days, but now I give you something new. Jesus is replacing the old with the new. Not abolishing the law, just elevating it. And the first three times, Marty covered this, he talks about uh, not Murdering or he says you've heard it said thou shalt not murder but you should not even get angry You should not even hate in your heart. The second one is you shall not commit adultery But it's not even about adultery. It's about even lusting and the next one is it's about divorce Like the Lord's heart is for divorce and then in verse 33 of Matthew chapter 5 We see the final we see the start of the final three You have heard it said but and this is what we're going to talk about today. Let me read them and then we'll dive in Matthew 33 533 excuse me again you have heard it said it was said to the days of old, you shall not swear falsely, you shall not perform to the you, sh- you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say, do not take an oath either by heaven or by the throne of God or by earth for its his footstool or by Jerusalem for its the city of the great king. Matthew 5:38. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you Do not resist the evil, but if anyone slaps you on your cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. And Matthew 5.43, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Six times, Jesus says, you have heard it said in the old days, this one thing, but I give you a newer version of the law. I give you a newer version of the rule. Why? Six times Jesus reinforces this idea that I've upgraded, I've changed, I've, 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 I've increased the responsibility and the requirements. Th- six times it says this. And it got me thinking, why is that? If something's going to be repeated this many times, it has to be important. And I think we realize the importance of it when we read Matthew 5:20. This is why Jesus repeats these words so many times. Matthew five twenty says this, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Here's what you got to understand. The Old Testament law was given as a boundary for us. Back in the Old Testament, when you read Exodus, read Leviticus, you read all the the rules that God gave, the commands that God gave, they function as a boundary for us. Matter of fact, if you read in Galatians, the Apostle Paul says, the law was our custodian. It was our caretaker. It was our conservator. Shout out to Free Brittany. Okay? That's what the job was. The law was given to give us the boundaries to tell us what we're supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do. That's the law. The goal of the law is that. And now when Jesus shows up on the scene, he realizes, or he's helping us understand that that law was for one season to show you what you're supposed to do, how you can live a life worthy of who this holy God is. Now you've got to realize there's even more at play here. There's even a greater, deeper law. What you got to understand is it's not about checking the box. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, for your whole life in this Old Testament life, Prior to me showing up, you have lived your life in such a way where you could just check the box. And the scribes and Pharisees felt like they could just check the box and that counted as good enough. The heart didn't matter. It was just about doing whatever they could do to check the box to live a certain way. Let me give you an example. Here's what I mean. I remember this one time. If you know me, you know I love sports, okay? And I remember this one time, there was a player playing for a team that had some controversy on the field and off the field. And he was getting criticized in the media of what he was doing. And I remember he got up in an interview, remember watching the interview, and he said, I'm a good person, I'm a good person. I've never hurt anyone, I take care of my kids, I- I've never beat anyone, I've never done anything illegal. And I remember stopping in that moment and thinking... Since when did the line and the bar for being a good person is doing the stuff you're supposed to do? Since when did the bar and the line for being a good person is saying, oh, I take care of my kids and I don't hurt anybody. That's what, and you might think that's funny, but can I tell you something, church? We as Christians, we do the same thing. We say, oh, I'm a good Christian. I check the box. I go to church on Sunday or on Saturday in our case. You say, I'm a good Christian. I check the box. I give my $20 in tithe. Oftentimes as Christians, we do that very same thing. We get into the habit of checking the box and that's never the plan the Lord had for us was simply to check the box. That's why I got this dartboard up here. And this dartboard is up here because I think what happens is as believers is the Lord creates a bullseye for us. And what we do is he says, this is what I want from you. This is my heart for you. This is what I have for you. And then we move it all around to fit our story, to fit our narrative. The Lord says, Love people. We're like, Well, do I have to love everybody? The Lord says, Give. Well, do I have to give out all? The Lord says, Go. Do I have to really do it? We move the target around to fit our narrative, to fit what makes us comfortable, to fit what works for us in our time and our space. And that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, Checking the box Christianity is not good enough. There has to be something deeper and more in the heart that we have to look at. So if we as believers are going to do more than just check the box Christianity, the Sermon on the Mount is the perfect place to start. Matter of fact, it has been told, the Sermon on the Mount has been called the perfect pattern for the life of a Christian. That's what other scholars have called it. People have studied this. They said this is the perfect. If you want to be a believer, you want to do more than just check the box Christianity. The Sermon on the Mount is the perfect place to start because it helps you realize that righteousness is not merely about obedience to legislation, but it's about perfect conformity to the will of God, to the heart of God. It's not about moving the target around. It's not about checking the box. It's about understanding the heart and the will of God and aligning yourself to that. A lot of the Old Testament laws and references we get in in here in Matthew chapter 5 come from Leviticus 19. Uh, Matter of fact, if you want to do something fun in Leviticus 19 and Matthew chapter 5, every single time the Lord, whether it's back in the Old Testament or here, uh, when Jesus is upgrading these rules for us, see how many of these laws, how many of these commands, how many of these rules relate for us, and our interaction with other people. Here's a hint, pretty much all of them. A lot of the Old Testament laws that Jesus is upgrading come from Leviticus 19. And I think it's fascinating. There's a parallel between Leviticus 19 and Matthew chapter 5. Matter of fact, Leviticus 19, verse 1 and 2, open up before the laws are given. When the Lord is talking to Moses, before the laws are given, The Lord comes to Moses and says this in Leviticus 19. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. Before all the rules come in, the Lord God himself lets you know who he is and what the expectation level is. And then if you scroll down to the end of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' final words to the crew, to the crowd who followed him up this mountain to hear him speak. He said, based on everything I just said, therefore, if you ever see the therefore in the Bible, you have to ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore? That's a little tip you've probably heard someone say before. Therefore, after you've seen all these things that I've said, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So in the Old Testament, before all the rules are given, the Lord makes it clear. Here's who I am. Here's my heart. Here's the standard. Here's the expectation. And at the end, when Jesus is done giving this section of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, therefore, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. They're a picture. They're an image of each other. But he uses a different word, perfect. This word telios, perfect, literally means to be matured, to be brought to your end, to be finished, to be complete, to be perfected, to be made whole and mature as a mature person. Literally, Jesus is saying that your baby Christianity is checking the box. Your baby Christianity is fitting the target to fit your needs and your desires. But mature Christianity says... I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more than just check the box. I'm not going to do the basic ask. I'm going to go farther. I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to look at my heart to see how my heart is doing. Jesus says that's what it looks like to truly obey the law. Is you're perfect. You're mature and complete. You're growing in the Lord and who he's called you to be. That's the truth. <clears throat> Church, as I read through these whole things, and matter of fact, if you haven't done this, this week, before we jump into Matthew chapter 6 next week, this week, read Matthew chapter 5. Read it every day. I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago, the week we started the sermon series. And while on vacation, I bust open my Bible and I read a couple of times through the entire Sermon on the Mount. It's only three chapters in the Bible. But I would encourage you this week, before we jump back, or before we jump into Matthew chapter 6, read all of Matthew chapter 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It's amazing. You'll see the richness and the depth and the beauty of it. And as I was reading through it again, I had a couple observations I want to share with you before we close. Number one, the first observation I had is when I read through the Sermon on the Mount and I see what Jesus has done, what he has said, what the new level of expectations are is this. The Lord is trying to get us to reconsider our perspectives. I told you a second ago, as people, as believers, as all humans, but even as believers, we do it too. We often move the bullseye around. We do what makes us feel comfortable. We do what comes easy and natural for us. And we're not willing to allow the Lord to stretch us to go deep into our hearts. So I think, number one, churches, we've got to recognize when you read through the Sermon on the Mount and what Jesus is saying, he's getting you to reconsider your perspectives. How have you viewed life in a way that doesn't work? How have you just been checking the boxes, just trying to get by? Number two, I believe Jesus is making it clear to us that the expectations have been upgraded. We've kind of alluded to this already. It's not just about checking the box like we said, but it's about what's going on inside of your heart. The heart matters. Even if you do it, but your heart's not in it, the Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. In other words, yeah, you can give 20 bucks, but he wants your heart to be in a place where you say, man, I love doing this. I love doing this. The Lord wants us to be in a place where even if you get slapped across the cheek, where you say, man, it's not about just the pain that I received, I'm going to willingly lay down my life for someone else because that's what Jesus did. I think the third thing that Jesus wants us to see is this, is that you can't do it on your own. You cannot do this on your own. You need the help of the Lord. This is impossible stuff to do if you're doing it out of your own human energy, mindset, and abilities. It's impossible to do. This requires a move of the Holy Spirit. This requires grace from God himself. This requires the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why this was something we could never do until he showed up on the scene. And now that he showed up on the scene, now that He's made it clear to us, here's the beautiful part about who our Lord is. He doesn't leave us as orphans. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't say, hey, go figure it out on your own. No, he says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you. And lastly, the observation I have is this, is that when you start living this way, it'll affect everyone else around you. I said earlier, fun thing to do. Read Leviticus 19, read through Matthew chapter 5, and go through every single command. And see how many of them are about when we relate to other people, our interactions with others. Almost every single one of them are how we relate to other people. It's not just about how we relate to other people, but when you live the way that Jesus is asking you to live, you leave an impact in your world, in your country, in your nation, in your community, in your neighborhood. When you live the way Jesus is asking you to live, it leaves an impact. All right, here's how we're going to close. I was thinking through... How do we wind all this up? How do we put a nice little bow on this? Well, the only way to put a bow on this is to do what it says, is to be the mature Christian, more than just checking the box Christian that we have sometimes fallen into, myself included. The only way to end this is to live out what the Lord is saying. So the last set of verses that we have in Matthew chapter 5, I think might be the toughest. Come on now, can I get an amen? You're going to say amen once I read this. Let me read Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of our Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on evil and good. And he sends the rain down on the, lust, on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even the tax collectors do that. If you greet only your brother, what more are you doing than the others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you must be perfect or you must be mature and complete and grow to this completion as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Church, we've got to do more than just check in the box. James says it, don't merely be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. So here's what we're going to do right now. We're gonna pray for the people who have persecuted us. We're gonna pray for the people who have brought pain and anger and, and frustration on us. Matter of fact, church, this week, we're newsflash, I'm gonna take you behind the scenes. I'm recording this on Friday morning, okay? Not doing this live. I know I just ruined your whole, I shattered the glass, and you're you're so shocked right now. But on Monday morning, I got a phone call that was really disturbing. Matter of fact, it wasn't just disturbing, it was incredibly frustrating. And throughout the week at different moments, I've thought about the words that were said and I've gotten pretty angry. Thursday, I was putting on the final touches on this message and I got to that part where it says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I realized there's no way I can do this sermon unless I pray for that person who I was angry with, who I had anger in my heart with. I couldn't just let another day go by until I fully dealt with it. Church. I'm pretty sure in the last 365 days, someone has said something that has ticked you off. I'm pretty sure in the last 365 days, you've seen something on social media or in the news or in a friend or a neighbor, something that's angered you and that has frustrated you. I don't care if you're right or if you're wrong. I don't care if they're right or if they're wrong. Church what I'm telling us is we've got to do more than just check the box. We've got to start stop moving the target around to fit our personal preferences. The Lord says pray for those who have persecuted you. Bless them. So we're going to do that. Don't name names. You don't need to say their name out loud. You don't need to say Kurt Ron out loud. You don't need to say Liz Vandergrine out loud. Just joking. They're not the ones. <laughs> you don't need to say their name out loud, but what you do need to right now is say, Lord, I forgive me. Forgive me for the anger that's in my heart towards that person. Forgive me for the pain that that person inflicted on me that I've let fester in my heart, in my my soul, in my mind. Lord, I want to release that pain. I want to release that anger. I want to give that to you. Father, I pray you would bless them. This is the hard part, church, Lord, I pray you would lay your hands on that person right now and bless them and reward them. I pray they would be financially blessed. I pray their health would be blessed. I pray that their family and their marriage and their children would be blessed. I pray their business would grow and thrive. I pray their house would appreciate and value like never before. I pray that they would have just all of the good and blessings and the good things of God would just be poured over them. Church, can I tell you something? That is so hard to do. And I'm doing it right now, and there's part of me that doesn't mean it. I'm going to be honest with you, there's part of me that's still angry. But here's the beautiful part about praying for your enemies and praying for those who persecute you. It may not change them, but I can guarantee it'll change you. The Lord wants to take you to a place where it's no longer about checking the box and doing what you're supposed to do, but it's about changing your heart. It's about changing what's really going on inside of us. Let's continue that prayer and finish it off. Father, it is so, so easy to hold on to this pain and this anger, but I release it to you and I ask you to bless them. My mentor, always used to say, oh, in Jesus name, amen. My mentor used to say, you have two options, Eddie. You can pray, P-R-E-Y, on people, or you can pray, P-R-A-Y, for people. That's your option. I pray the Lord would change your heart I pray he would change my heart. I pray he would help us become more than just check the box Christians who move the target to fit our needs. But I pray we wouldn't just do what it says, but we would go further. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for our beautiful church, family redeemed church. Thank you for the folks who help us record these messages uh, and get them on the internet. Thank you for our worship team, our greeters, our ushers. Thank you for the life group leaders. Thank you for the folks who, who counsel and support and lead. Thank you for the prayer team. And Lord, I thank you. For the haters, (laughs) I thank you that there are people out there who don't like me, don't like you, don't like us, Lord. And right now, we pray for them. We pray you would bless them. We pray you would give them an abundance of your spirit and your presence and you'd be with them. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Redeemed church. Wow. This is a hard message to preach. But even with that, I love you. I love my enemies. You should love your enemies. But I love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. We'll see you next time. God bless.